Club vapes everywhere, man. I wonder how much of the national vape litter you contribute to weekly. I'd say 6%. I'm on every two days. That's insane, eh? Steady breathing. Steady breathing. Like if you inhale a thousand liters of oxygen per week, I wonder what percentage of it is vape. It's got to be like five. I was thinking more like 40. <laughs> Just not your usual time. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Got to get off it. You go to sleep with one of those sleep apnea machines and it's just pumping you full of fucking watermelon ice. <laughs> Man, I went to get one the other day and I asked for like this blueberry ice, which I'm on at the moment. And I go in there and I was like, oh, blueberry ice. It's like the light blue one. And he pulls out like a purple one and I'm like, no, the I want the the light blue one, and he just goes, "He's he's good." <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware, but can I have that one? And he's like, "No, no, he's good." <laughs> <laughs> I admire his sales tactics. To be yeah, honest, it just kept it going, and yeah. I bet you, as soon as I left, he was like, "Man, that bloke fucking bought the one." Yeah. Like, what a dumb guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fucking shysters, I saw something quite strange on the way over here. It was one of those, um, what would you call them? Vagrants that hang about on median strips with poorly written signs begging for money. And this guy wasn't even really all that tragic in terms of his story. Like usually, it's, oh, I'm a war veteran and I'm addicted to heroin and I need help. I'm homeless. Or, you know, I lost my leg and... I fucking need help. Please help. This one's was just, I'm a carer. I need help, please. I was like, well, first off, it sounds like you got a job. <laughs> Second, what I I need more. I need need more context. Anyway, I did what everyone does and wound up my window and looked dead straight. Obviously. So you didn't ask him. You didn't try and get any context. Look, the one thing I have learned, uh, it's a very risky business trying to engage these individuals in conversation sometimes. It's much better and much safer just to ask the questions later on your podcast and potentially wonder what it could have been. Wonder what it could have been. But should be listening on his iPhone. This guy got sick and tired of waiting. He walked off in what I can only describe as like a disappointed huff that no one was engaging with him. And walked across the road, got in his brand new Kia and started to drive off. Like I'm talking 2022 red Kia Sorento or some shit with his missus in the car. Carers need funding, bro. They're clearly not getting, they're clearly not getting the NDIS funding. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to go step out on the street for a bit. <laughs> Maybe they were filming a YouTube video. I wonder if I could sit there with a sign. Help, just bought a brand new BMW M4. Having trouble with repayment. <laughs> if you guys could chuck in, that'd be great. I'm surprised that they still do it because no one has changed. No. Oh, I, I bombed the other week when I was out here. Yeah, I was actually getting back in my car and the, this dude came up and was like, hey, have you got any change? And I was like, nah, sorry, bro. And then I was like, oh, I do because I moved house and half of my house is still in the boot of my car. There's a bag full of change. Because you know, from years you just chuck it into like a jar, and then the jar yep. turns into a bucket. Yeah, and you got to go to go to the bank and pour it all in. You just never do it. So I've got a good thirty-five kilos of change in the back of my car, and I was like, 
Today is your lucky day, bro. You gave him... Uh, no, I didn't give him the oh. whole thing. I gave him a handful of 50-cent pieces, though. Right. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm just going to Robin Hood. Did you get the desired reaction from him? There was no desired reaction. It was more because I thought it was funny. Whenever like, it's I, like, you may as well have it. Yeah, but whenever I am a good Samaritan, I want payment in the form of, oh, my God, thank you so much. You, you made today better for me. You're a great person. That's all I want. All those thoughts that you wake up of every morning about how you're not very good are wrong. Exactly. Your dad was wrong about you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Um, you're a saint. Every time I've been a good Samaritan, I've, the best I've got is like a nod. It's like, I feel like you should be more grateful. Not only that, it might actually get you more because people would be more inclined to give you money if you gave them good reactions. That's all I'm saying. So you want to be paid for your pity? I just want some acknowledgement that I am indeed basically Mother Teresa. <laughs> Such a pious man. I, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Is it too much to ask? You don't want anyone to be too thankful. That man is a saint. <laughs> You have to give them some reasonable amount of money. Because they're probably looking at you and they're going, $2? True. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? True. Who knows the stories of these people? Who does? I've considered it. I've considered just sitting down like halfway on my way to lunch. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to sit here for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Grow a beard. Just see what the life is like. Just build up that solid layer of dirt on the bottom of your feet. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of camaraderie in that scene, to be no. honest. No. No, nah, it doesn't seem to be. But although there is like a little tribe of three or four individuals who hang around with that pool trolley with the two dogs in it, they seem to be like banded together. Yeah, the dogs are cool. They seem quite healthy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you had an animal with you. Didn't, um, what's the name? Sylvester Stallone. Yes. That famous story about him. He wrote Rocky and some studio offered to buy it and he was like, no, I want to make it myself. And he was homeless. And he had a dog and he had to give his dog away to someone yeah. because so the dog could be fed. And then he made that. And I think it won like some massive awards. He obviously made a ton of money. I don't think he wrote it. He wrote it, dude. Sylvester Stallone Stallone wrote it. Because I read that that story the other day, but I must have totally glanced over the fact that he wrote it. Written by and starring Sylvester Stallone. Would you fucking look at that? Man's got to stop questioning me. Well, look, after some... Very wild stories that have been told on here by one Scott. Well, I know that you you like to play to that, but name me one. The fucking ISIS truck. I said as I was telling the story. That's not what TikTok says, bro. This is true. (laughs) Fuck TikTok. (laughs) Do you have facial recognition on your phone? I do. That's got to be the worst form of security ever. Someone grabs your phone off you and just holds it to your face and then they have access to your entire phone. Yeah. Like if you were to get robbed. Yeah. That's it's not that's not a security measure. The problem is, like, what are they gonna do? Just leave with your phone unlocked and then jump onto your net banking. Can't or, get it. It's got face ID on that too. Cool, we'll just hold you down and do all that. You know what? Hold me down, bro. I'm a three stripe white belt. <laughs> a flower sweep is us. I'm gonna pay someone to hold you down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and get access to my bank account, which has again has about nine dollars fifty in it. Remember, I'm broke. So I turned it off. The okay. other day. So now I've got to put my six-digit number in every single time I open my phone. Six is too many digits. And I'm just holding it down. I like the security of just knowing that I am the person that knows the number. That's how a pin works. Yeah, and I know. But the thing with the, just the, the idea that, that the last line of security against your entire life, essentially, mm. is on that phone. 
and it's just holding it up to your face. It makes zero sense to me. Yeah. I see your point. Um, I think there's probably far more easier security flaws in the rest of our lives. No, but that is that has everything. That's the point. It's like with your face, you can do everything in your it's, life. It's almost exactly the same as saying, oh, my God, they do fingerprint recognition as the only way to get in. Someone could just cut your finger off and then use it for the rest of your life. So like that is as equally likely. You, you tend to have a thing of just wanting to take the opposite side of me. With no, 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 no. It I'm is just, retarded. I'm just, I just don't understand No, that your premise. logic is retarded. You're like, I need to change my pin just in case someone steals my phone and holds it up to my face. I reckon I Dude, couldn't take your take, phone off you. People take phones off people all the time. Yes. Especially in Europe and stuff. Like they'll hold a knife to you and be like, give me your phone. Yes. And then they just hold it to your face and it unlocks. What are you going to do when someone holds a knife to your throat and says, put your pin in? You just be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and just take the stabbing. Yeah. And then they can't Ready? get in. They can't get in at all. <laughs> I wonder how many guys gone through girls' phones and stuff. The girls asleep. Yeah, you, like, I, you have you got to have your eyes open. I don't know. Try it. Yeah, you got to have your eyes open. So then there's just people holding people's eyelids. Like. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, checking for but cataracts. Your eyes are rolled back into the back of your head. Right? Oh, yeah, you yeah, true. <laughs> I am fucking lost as fuck. I need purpose. <laughs> I'm so desperately lacking purpose right now. And I know I could trick myself into purpose. It's like write a fucking album or design something or whatever it is. But I'm just treading water. I'm just like working. I just go to work so I can pay off bills. And then I get home and I'm like, what am I going to do? Just watch TV until I go to sleep so I can get up and do this shit again. It's like, what's the fucking point? This is why I want to go sit on the side of the street. Yeah, and just try it out for a bit. Yeah, there is a distinct lack, lack of purpose in my life. I so I worry saying that though, because it's probably going to be like the universe will give me cancer or something. <laughs> How's that for purpose? Yeah, it's like it, fuck it, your life has some purpose now. Yeah, no shit. Try and make red blood cells. <laughs> <laughs> it's white blood cells. Yeah, you know, you I know, know what I, I mean. Knew, I knew you were mean. Um, yeah, I mean, look, my, I'm pretty in a pretty similar predicament. Stuff really like going to do jujitsu, so but it is kind of sad that my entire life is basically based on the premise that I just do jujitsu. Yeah, if you suck didn't have it. that, you reckon you'd just be like, What's the fucking point? Pretty much. Well, like you say, you just go to work to pay bills, yeah, it's and then you go to ass. sleep, yeah. And it's starting to infect into my brain where even when I'm working, I'm like, What the fuck am I doing this for? Is they've definitely that make the world burn sort of mentality, especially when you consider you've got another thirty years of it. Oh no, maybe this time of your life you're just meant to have kids and like be stressed out and pine for the days of when you do have kids. But the reality is, if you don't have them, you just kind of like fuck. Is the point of any of this shit? True, but again, that's that's like a selfish way of looking at it, right? It's like oh, I need something to keep me interested, so let's pop out some children. Hmm. It's like that's. Probably a fucking fair stretch, right? Yeah, I think but at it's least all- it gives you something to do. Yeah, true. But it's so like, does hey, squash. Keep this alive. It's just like a. <laughs> it just creates a, it creates something that's bigger than yourself, I suppose. Yeah, that's what no, I think. That's what people who have kids like to say to convince people like us that it's a good idea. Yeah. Oh man, I or don't. Den- I don't deny that it's a good idea. I'm not against the idea of that. I'm just not in a position where that is something that would pop into my head. Mm. And it's not popped into my head before where I've been with someone and been like, I should have a child. Mm. 
like when people you know have kids and you start to get the reality of that situation. Because when you were growing up, people only told you that having kids was the greatest. Because it was like aunties and uncles, right? And like older, I don't know, older friends. Not not even older friends. It was just adults. And they didn't talk to you like an adult. So that public thing would be like, oh, it's just the most amazing thing ever. And then your friends have kids and they're like, it's fucking awful. It's fully worth it. But it is super, like kiss your entire life goodbye. Because you know you don't sleep anymore. You can't make any plans to do anything. Your autonomy is almost zero. And suddenly the pressure to A, stay alive. It seems like every person that I know that ends up with kids has this insane fear of dying now. And then they also start worrying about things like suddenly it's like, we need to buy a better house. We need to do this and that. You need to deal with postnatal depression. Like there's a whole lot of shit that goes on and you get that reality side of it. And I quite like that because I have some weird yearning for truth but it definitely is something that i never even heard of before people i knew started having kids because i think there was i don't know maybe in the past there was like a social faux pas of speaking negatively about the experience of childbirth Mm. but it's got to be tough you know the other one that fucking shits me because i'm out here looking i'm looking for a sign right like i'm like (laughs) looking for signs give me another beer this is how he talks to me. I'm surprised you're not like, no, you're not having another beer. Since you're the binary opposite of everything I say, it's the word. I, uh, I'm sorry, I can't disagree respectfully with you, Scott. You having an intelligent debate. A contrarian, Josh Gray. Mm-mm. I am just sensible, pragmatic even. You built into your mind the idea that I am not correct. <laughs> so you're automatic. People do this. You'll say something that they're unaware of and then they'll say no and then check it. And that's because your baseline identity is that you are more intelligent than me. Uh, And I am shattering that every time that I tell you that Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky. Yes. And that's something I think you should go home. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the only reason I wasn't uh, sold on your story there was because I read something on Instagram or something popped up the other day that told that story. And I thought he was just like, I remembered it as him being just like on the verge of homelessness, having to sell his dog. And then someone offered him a role in this shit movie that no one wanted. And it was Rocky. But I missed, I must have missed that. That's a story of perseverance. But the funniest part of it is he sold his dog to a guy. Yeah. He was like, I don't even know if he sold it. He gave it to him. It was like, I can't look after this dog because I can't feed myself and him. And then he made Rocky and he went to get his dog back. And the dude was like, no, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's my dog. Some Indian giving on the dog front. Oh, Sylvester Stallone's got another funny dog story. Did you hear about his tattoo? No. Oh, sick. He, um... His wife, he had a portrait of his wife on his uh, on his arm. They split up and he covered it up with a portrait of his dog. Oh, sick. <laughs> That's so spiteful. Eh? Have you seen the uh, the one that J- Johnny Depp has? Nah. He was with Winona Ryder. Oh, yeah. And he had Winona Forever. <laughs> oh, shit. And then he got it changed to Wino Forever and I think he got a little like sketch picture of a bottle of wine on it as well. I like that. Wino Forever. Johnny. With the fucking Didn't have much pivot. luck with women. <laughs> Winona was a kleptomaniac. Was <laughs> yeah. it klepto? Is yeah. that the, yeah. the thievery? That's correct. It's a bit of klepto in all of us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind a sexy shoplifting 90s woman. Eh? <laughs> 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 
She was actually looking kind of mum hotty in uh, Stranger Things too, though, to be honest. Mm, I hated that fucking show. Did you? Man, and it it sucked because everyone loved it and I wanted to love it. And it just, I don't know, it just just pissed me off. Mm. And I can't even say why. I was just watching it and I was like, this is gay. (laughs) (laughs) It was like synthesizers. Like I've had fucking synthesizers forever. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. It was the 80s, man. Was it well, the 80s? Yeah, it's it meant to 70s? be the 80s. I don't idolize the 80s, though, because I was alive during it. Yeah, true. It was a pretty weird time, stylistically. The 70s was sick because that they had Bowie and fucking the Beatles and the, the Post, all of the super druggy, um, like, prog, weird prog music, Led Zeppelin and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, the 80s was like... Um, have you heard Wham. Simply Red? <laughs> I actually have. <yeah>. Bangers. <laughs> if you don't know me by now. <laughs> that dude's from Manchester. He's a big Manchester United fan. Fire song, too. What was I saying? I was, I was talking before about the um, about people having kids and then being honest about it. And I don't know if my brain is messed up, but like when I go to weddings, I don't believe people. <laughs> I think Talk I about, about being before. a contrarian. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily being a contrarian, but I'm there and I'm happy. I'm happy for everyone. I really am. And I understand what the moment is and I understand that it's people starting their lives together. But like, especially when it's people that you know well, and then they're up there being like, you know, the moment I saw her, I just knew it's like. You met in Republic yeah, in a toilet. Dude, <laughs> you were fingering someone else like an hour before you met her. It's like she used to date your friend. That's so true, hey. But because you're so close to it, you just you know the insides, and you almost it's almost like they're trying to convince themselves of it in the moment. It's like I've wanted to do this since the moment I saw you. It's like, well, did you though? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just jealousy. Maybe I'm just there just being like, I don't feel that way. It's a fucking weird thing though, man. Like, I don't know why I've got that, like, that, that it needs to be like very true, like an honest. It's like, I think everyone at a wedding maybe has that just idea built in where they're like, yeah, we know that they kind of still sort of fucking hate each other, but they're they're making a decision. I don't know what I want. Like people to be doing their marriage speech and being like, yeah, we've been together six years and I'm worried that if I don't propose, then you're probably going to bounce. I know your friends are getting on you about it. So I've kind of given into the pressure because I'm a bit scared that I couldn't do any better. That would actually be a sick sketch, like a real (laughs) honest wedding. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not trying to shit on anyone's parade. There's probably a lot of triggered people now. I like, I'm, I, for all intents and purposes, everyone that gets married, I'm like, ah, oh, it probably just highlights the fact that I'm not in a uh, situation where I want, where I'm like overwhelmed by a, overwhelmed by something that makes me want to sign my life to someone in yeah. a governmental sense. <laughs> Um, I'm right there with you, my friend, but we also didn't have great role models when it comes to relationships either. <clears throat> I think I our whole saw, generation I never saw didn't. a relationship in, like, in action. Mm. I've got no memories of my parents being together, and they split up when I was 12. Mm. I have no memories of those being, them two, two being together in a room, and they, I don't think they had, like, like, they didn't argue in front of us and, stu- and stuff, and they did 
they, we all lived in the same house, but I don't know. I might have been, maybe I got molested or something. I blocked like everything out. <laughs> but no, I, I, don't, I just don't have it. And then I think my sister was dating someone when I was like 12 or th- no, not even that. I was, I was probably 15 and I think she dated him for a few years. And, um, and I saw that relationship in action and I was like, okay, this is cool. And he was like my big brother. But then they split up and I think I've never, I've never lived amongst a relationship in action. So mm. it's kind of blind leading the blind. I suppose you had your mom bounced. So you're just like women leave fact. Correct. <laughs> yeah. My mom left as well. I think that's it. You just get that in your head where you're like, you can say that things last forever and you can, you can preach that shit. But the only truth I know is that it doesn't. Yeah. So you're just like, that is a reality for you. Whereas I've definitely dated people whose parents are still together. Yeah, but even then- And they have a different perspective on it where they're like, oh, yeah, no, well, I've seen that you need to work through issues. You know, you need to work through things in order to, like, good good relationships require work. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because they've seen it and they've seen that it stays together and that things get better and stuff like that. But I never saw adults overcome adversity in a relationship sense. So I think maybe that has stunted my, I wouldn't say emotional growth, but definitely my relationship growth. Mm-hmm. It's given me a lot more of a pragmatic approach to that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, if it's not working, then maybe rethink it. Yeah. And that's potentially why I'm a 41-year-old fucking loser with a podcast. <laughs> that's objective. I think uh, we're both killing it. I'm failing miserably. <laughs> I'm failing miserably at life. That's my perspective right now because I've had a negative week. Yeah. Like every now and then I'm like, no, no, this is good. But I do, I, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. This. See, it's it's all perspective. We're such jaded cunts, the pair of us, I tell you. Yeah. It's like- I definitely, We definitely can be. If you just compartmentalize it, like your music, for example, you've got your music now playing on Whitey's tension clips. Hmm. If you'd have told 17-year-old Scott that one day you'd make music that would be going on like- the sickest bodyboarding videos on YouTube, you'd be mm. like, holy shit. It's Fuck true. yes. It is perspective. You drive a Mercedes, you smoke seven vapes a day, <laughs> fucking you got 600 people that listen to you religiously every week for some unknown reason. You can afford to eat. It's really not that bad. I know. I th- this is the thing. Like, I'm a negative person. I know you know that it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, no, I know. But this, it, mm. it's interesting to put it on the table like that because it is like – I have an inherent negativity about me, which is funny. I do enjoy it because the negative humor is more funny, you know? Yep. But you know how people say they wake up and they're like, I've been practicing. What's the, what's the big one now that everyone practices? Um, gratefulness. Oh, yeah. I've tried that shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, it does not, it feels like the weirdest thing ever. It's like, today I am grateful for this. It starts to border on, on, on religion. Mm-hmm. But if it would make my life easier, I don't know. We also- I definitely have that, like, a, when it, if, if you break it down into the music thing, like, I'm embarrassed by music, which is weird. I realized this a while ago. Like, I feel like I had the potential to do something with it, and I failed. That's my, that is my takeaway 100% from music. And it's like- Every now and then I'll be working on something or writing something and I'm like, 
it's gone. Like it's like the the moment where anyone would care about this is gone. And that's not the best way to think about that shit by any means. And then every now and then I get a little spark and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. This is good. And then I'm just like, ah, you missed, you missed the boat on that. And you tried really hard and you kind of like named your Instagram that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, you're a fucking loser. Yeah. And that's the overwhelming feeling. And I wish it wasn't. And I've, I've told that to people that love me, you know, like girlfriends and fucking family and stuff. And they're all like, you're fucking mad. But that's genuinely the way that m- my mind processes it. Yeah. Which is a negative it, way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, but is it? Maybe that's the thing that encourages you to try again, you know, overcoming failure. I mean, you've tried, you keep trying shit. Mm. You guys are always doing something, but it's also, it's also. The thing is though, it's not like it's, it's not failure, right? But it, like the fact that, cause I see it as failure because I did some things that got popular and then I didn't continue things, continue doing things that got popular, which means that I am. Anything I did after the popular things wasn't good. And you're like, oh, but I, it's still me. I'm still doing this. And it's like, people are like, nah, that was good. This isn't good. And then it sends you into a fucking tailspin. But surely it's, I can't understand why I can't process that as being, I did some things that were good as opposed to I started well and failed Mm. because it's like, what, I, I don't know. It depends what you deem as success. And I also think it's the benchmark that we use to measure ourselves against. Mm. Whereas for some people might have done that and been able to walk away and say, hey, I did this. That's pretty cool. Whatever. Where you, you're like, okay, I can see a trajectory. I want to be here and I only made it to here. Mm. So I missed that gap. But it's not to say that you can't, you can't still get there. In whatever sense it is. Yeah. Um, but it's just a process. But I don't necessarily think seeing it as a failure is a bad thing, although it's not. It's probably not the most productive thing if you don't know how to channel that energy back into what you're doing. It's it's a failure if you just gave up and stopped. Mm. But you keep having cracks, so I don't think that that's – you can still yeah, see it as Yeah, the failing. thing is I think now they're like – they're half-hearted cracks, if I'm being honest, I think. Yeah, um, maybe that's because you don't want to put yourself out. Yeah, you put yourself out there. Like, I don't feel like I don't, I'm scared to put myself out there. I just feel like, I feel like if I made some shit that I was like, really like, this is fucking great, then I would go all out for it. But then at the same time, the modern way of doing that is so weird. Music's a real hard one too. Well, it changed so much while I was doing it. Well, no, I mean like, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, Someone like puts out a song or something that they've written like a Post Malone, for example, before he was famous or, or even when he is, writes a song and puts it out there and is like, hey, this is me. Like, I did this. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is what I think is cool. And then the earth rejects it. You're like, holy shit, maybe I'm a piece of shit. Maybe mm. I'm not cool. Maybe I'm not what I think I am. So to be able to actually put something out into the ether, even this podcast that we do every week, Putting it out there for people to potentially reject is brave, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, and I think it's a good measure because then you kind of work out then through the process of elimination what is and isn't cool, what does and doesn't work, and then you can fine tune what you what you put out there. 
Yeah. Also, the idea is that you let go once it's once it's released to the world, no matter what it is, whether it's a podcast or music or anything. It's up. It's just out there, and it might not be the most popular thing at the time, but it could hold some value, or it might get picked up in some way. There's all oh, the most famous example of this ever is. Do you even know the story of the dude that invented Coca Cola? Ah, uh, no. He was so. making patent medicine. Oh yeah. Um, which was like these kind of like somewhat homeopathic therapy things where it was like tonics and stuff where you could drink and it would uh, make you feel better. So like the the original version of Red Bull really. So he was playing around with all these things and they were all failing and he was like, I'm a fucking failure. And then he makes Coca-Cola and it gets like, it's the most successful patent medicine that he's made. And um, it goes, it starts selling like, you know, a hundred liters a month or something. And then interest in it dies down a little bit. He gets sick with like pancreatic cancer, I think. And um, on his deathbed to his wife, he's just like, I'm a, I'm a fucking failure. Like I, I dedicated my life to making these things. I never made anything of myself. And then he's like, dies. And then now Coca-Cola is the biggest drink ever. And he's never, he never, never knew that. that. He never knew it. Same with like the dude who paints. Like not for, it might be Van Gogh or something or Picasso or someone did all these paintings and then no one gave a fuck until like 100 years after he was dead. Um, music, samples. You know, Drake samples a obscure jazz tune from fucking the forties. Mm. That suddenly now is uh, is integral part of one of the biggest songs in history. You know, like yeah. it all plays a part in the machine. It also comes down to perspective as well. And don't take this as uh, I hope you don't take this as insulting, but um, you you don't really have any real adversity in your yeah. life. So I think. You know, it was jail for me. And when I went there, you come out on this high of appreciation. It's like, wow, all these things that I have. And then that wanes. And then you're just like, oh, okay, status quo. It's Back like, into the normal. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes you need that. And you had that, I think, when your dad passed. Mm. And you got that. You went real low. And then you kind of got that spurt again. And now that's, that's tailed off. Yeah. I think the weird thing is that that when all that stuff was going on with dad was when I was, that was when everything had aligned, like I'd signed a deal, all this stuff. And then it was like, that kind of was, was overwhelming. But at the same time, it's just like the pressure of trying to do that is uh, enough by itself. For sure. Cause it was pretty early in the game, but yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just definitely, I think it just comes down to that situation of like, the fuck's going on mm. like what what's the point of all this shit not yeah. not the point in and I, I will be very very clear like i'm i'm not feeling depressed or anything like that this isn't in anything in that sense it's more so like a pragmatic approach to it just being like this is kind of fucking redundant yeah like this all feels quite fucking redundant and i'm not sure what is required i think a lot of people feel like this to be honest mm. I'm not sure what is required. Maybe this is why people get into like politics and fucking standing out on the street, handing out fucking flyers. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're, they're just like, I my life doesn't mean anything and we live in this cushy thing. So 
Israel. It's all Israel. I'm fucking Israel. I'm all in. I'm all in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe it's because they're lacking some sort of fucking purpose. Yeah. There's also- I do wonder though whether people are aware of that and they're like, yep. And they kind of make, they make peace with that themselves. And maybe I point fun at all of those things because- I'm like, ah, you're just as fucked as me, but you've decided to do this to try and feel better. And in the reality, it's like, oh, maybe you feel better. And I'm just like still here complaining about the world. You also don't, you also don't hear a lot of the feedback, I think. Like when the music, for example, or the pod, let's start with the podcast. Like we have, you said the other day we got 600 people that subscribe to us on Spotify alone. There's nearly 2,000. 700 on Spotify and there's like There's 2, nearly 2,000 on YouTube. We only hear from 3% of those. You don't know what role us two talking shit plays in those other 1,900 and fucking 900 uh, lives day to day. Yeah. Um, same with the music. Like, I remember, um, like, fucking, you sent me the all the unreleased stuff before you released that first EP, mm. and it, like, made me tear up. I was at work watching it. I remember it distinctly. And it's like, you can create something that has an impact like that on a person. That mm. alone almost validates the entire process to begin with. Mm. But the thing is that that positive – the weird thing about music and – like I'll be super candid with this is when you start doing it and it people like success more than they like music. So when you start doing something and it's shown to be doing well, like that was all over the world and getting fucking millions of plays and stuff. People are like, Oh, Scott's doing something and it's successful. So they're like, Oh man, congrats on the music. It's all good. It's got zero to do with the fact of whether they liked it or not. It's more about like, and I really, I recognize, almost, I recognize yeah. this at the time, but then as you continue pushing it, people are like, they become less, I don't know. It's, it's like the, the, like the criticism is required as a feedback. So rather than being like, oh, this is sick. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, I don't know about that hi-hat or something. It's very <laughs> fucking weird and it yeah. happens. And then also if people like it, they won't really fucking let you know. Like I remember a big thing. I've never said this before, but a big thing was I'd sent out group chat, the EP. I didn't hear from anyone. And it fucked with me because mm. I was just like, oh, maybe it's shit. And it just it just took the wind out of my sails. And then, you know, you say you listened to it and you liked it. And then I've spoke to other people in that group chat since that were the same. But to me, I was just like, no one cares because it was my own because I was in, I was insecure about it. Mm. You know what I mean? I sent you the I sent you a message when that like I legit teared up at work. I sent you a message oh, and really? told you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see, because you only hold the negative shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you. Yeah, it's a strange fucking thing, man. But you sent me the terminals one, and I didn't even listen to it. So yeah, I am. Actually That's a, a weird cunt. one as well because you do that. the The majority of people you send shit to, where you're like, oh yeah, this is what I'm working on, da da da. It's, it's if anyone ever sends you something, if anyone's ever working on something, and sends you something. 
give them some response because yeah. like not giving it a lot of people would do that with me where they'd be like oh can i hear it can i hear it and then i'd send it and they wouldn't say anything and i'd be like they heard it and they laughed uncontrollably <laughs> and then they were like fuck that fucking loser <laughs> <laughs> the the support landscape is very strange too though like well you got to feel it with this for the first time 100 percent. Yeah, yeah and i remember you talking to me about it and i was like it's like to the party. friends don't really jockey your shit. It's nah. like it's weird that I have random people that have never met me in my life that share my shit and my actual friends don't. Yeah. It's like, why? Yeah, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that they think they just think you're doing well. Yeah. But it's like that's kind of what you're trying to get is like people that you that know you to be like, this is good. But they're, they're, then the, the double-edged sword is that people that know you are more likely just to fucking give you shit and, like, joust with you in that sense. Yeah. Which is cool. But then it's like, yeah, yeah, putting yourself out here with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we're being, like, all vulnerable and shit on here, <laughs> I think, like, especially with friends, I had this in my fucking brain. I hope I don't butcher this. But um, it's almost like if they don't engage with it and they don't, like, if they're not actively seen to be, like, propping you up, I assume that they're giving me shit behind my back about, especially about the podcast. Because yeah, it's, it's like, just insecure. I think I'm a fucking douchebag for doing this. I think inherently there's a there's that foundational layer in me where I'm like, you've got, you're have you a 38-year-old man with a fucking podcast you go to every week and have literally nothing to say except fucking homeless people and fucking lining up for food sucks the occasional jerk exactly story, yeah. and the fact that none of no, i'm not gonna say none of my friends because a lot of my friends do support um uh, a lot of them are signed up for the patreon and all those dudes don't please i'm not talking about you mm. i'm not even talking about like my close friends it's just like people that engage you would expect to kind of like want to want to put you out there but because they don't, I automatically assume that they're like they have their own group chat on the side. And they're like, "Wait, you listen to this shit? What a fucking yeah. loser!" <laughs> that is insecurity, though. That's the thing, and that's where shit can really start to fucking derail you. Where you you start making assumptions of what people are doing based on your own fears, and that's a dangerous place to be. Like, I do it. Everyone does it. I think everyone does it all the time. But they're like, "Oh, because." I don't, I would be really uncomfortable if my friends were praising me. <laughs> yeah, true. So it's like, what the fuck do you, it's the same Very as the, the giving the homeless guy money. It's like, what fucking response do you want? Yeah. It's like the reality is that you're insecure and I'm insecure. So these, and I'm not saying that we're overwhelmingly insecure, but you are in a position where you're insecure enough that you're making assumptions of the rest of the world. I remember speaking to Delby about something within, within reason of this, uh, Many years ago, you need to realize that no one fucking thinks about you at all. That's a very Delby thing to say, and yeah. I like it. He's like, I genuinely, you're a very close person to me. He goes, I rarely think about you. And I was like, that's true. So, like, assuming that people are thinking negatively about you is such an... It's such a weird inflation of your- It's actually quite narcissistic. It is. <laughs> Not as narcissistic as doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's like you need to realize that everyone- And people don't not think about you because they don't like you. They don't think about you because they're indifferent because they have so much going on in their own lives. Mm. I guarantee like anyone that you fucking know 
would 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 assume that their experience in life is harder than yours. I would be surprised if they don't. Mm. Like that's and that's the grass is greener sort of theory. Because I know the dudes listen to this that have like fucking relationship problems or um kids or what you know, working on the mines or something like that. And they're like, oh you guys just what a life. And I'm telling you, it's not fucking that much fun. Yeah. But Maybe life isn't meant to be fun. Maybe we're all meant to be on that Gaza Strip. <laughs> and that's where life really happens. <laughs> I read a book about it. I think I spoke about it on here before called Tribe. Mm-hmm. So I think the guy's name's something younger, Sebastian Younger maybe. But he was um, embedded as a photojournalist with people in Afghanistan. And they got in some really hairy situations. And he's like, I got back to peace in America and I was depressed and I was longing to be back in Afghanistan. So he wrote a book about it and he went and looked into the early American Indian tribes in America. There was a lot of defectors from America that went and lived with the Indians. And then there was also people who got captured and got that kind of Stockholm syndrome thing. And um, they would find people living and completely adopting the way of like the Navajo and stuff because their community was so structured around everyone being so integral that if you didn't play your role or do your job, they'd just kill you because the weakest link in the chain breaks the chain. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, it goes into the Serbia and um, Croatia, you know, when people forget that they were trying to genocide each other as well Um, and families that live through that. And they were like, that was the best time because they were all so banded together. And it was like, if the kids don't fetch the water, we're going to fucking die. If the, you know, the, every single moment was like, this might be the last goodbye sort of thing. And mm. it really galvanizes everyone into this real defined and acute like human experience. Yeah. Which we don't have. Like we're social creatures and- we become more and more and more antisocial the more comfortable we get. And I don't, I don't think it's like a stay out. Like I've got my shit. It's more just like a comfort just becomes smothering in somewhere mm. or intoxicating. It's actually a really good observation that we should flesh out another time. Yeah. I like that. You the should read that, but comf- I'll send you the, the book. The more comfortable you get, the more isolated you want to be. Yeah, but the thing is that, like, if you really think about, like, think about the most comfortable thing in the world, right? Yeah. And you think about, I think about one of those couches that looks like a bubble, like, that keep getting fed to me on my Instagram that I want to buy, but I don't have the money. Um, they kind of look like they're made out of marshmallow. You know the ones I mean? <laughs> I know the one. Not that comfortable, by the way. And then, and some good weed. Like all the things where that's all your stresses are gone. But if you sat in that situation in that position for too long, you would turn into the dude from the whale and then you'd be depressed, but in exactly the same position. Yeah, very true. Just an agoraphobic obese man. <laughs> obese man. I've not seen that movie. I just assume all of this by the picture on. <laughs> Brennan Fraser, you fat cunt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you ever found yourself in a position where there is something extremely heavy to pick up and you do not have the physical attributes to be able to manage it? I have. I know Scott has. And if you find yourself in a similar predicament, you should reach out to Jackson Moore at Perth Fork Trucks. These boys have been servicing the Perth Fork Trucking industry for over a decade? Maybe more. I don't know. It's been a long time. We don't have that information. They are experts, though. You can guarantee that. The guys are currently running a promo up until December where you can enter for free to win yourself a forklift. Now, I'm personally thinking about entering just so I can drive it down Murray Street and move any idiot that doesn't know how to merge properly. If you're interested in winning your own very own fork truck, go to perthforktrucks.com.au. The link is going to be down in the description below or reach out to Jackson Moore. What was that big thing they were advertising? Like everyone kind of giving him a stand-up clap, and yeah, crying. it was like he's back, guys. It's like he didn't fucking overcome cancer. He was like, Tarzan. He just, Who cares? Yeah, he was just a famous dude that probably went through his own mental shift from not being as famous he was once before, and then has come back as a really awful-looking obese dude with beady eyes, yeah. and everyone's like, "Bravo!" I don't get it, eh? I don't get fucking much, dude. <laughs> I don't get much at all. Fuck I've got like I've had a negative. Not oh, sick. The band is going to start playing. It's all right. We're, 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 we're nearly in, there. So. We're nearly there. Um, damn you, band downstairs. There's fucking bands play downstairs. They're actually really good. There's a bunch <laughs> of old bros. They play like Jimi Hendrix and stuff, yeah. but you can't work in here when it's happening because this is a drum kit underneath the fucking office. I listened to the new Blink-182 album and there's a song on there and uh, one of the lines was something like, do I have to be dead for you to miss me? And that resonated. That, yeah? I don't know why. Oh, I got, a, I, got a, that, I got a thing on this. Sick. You know when people die- And everyone on social media goes, they'll write like a, they'll post a picture of them and write a story. I don't know if I've, 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 I've talked about this before. I don't think I've spoken about it on here. And they write like a eulogy. And it, it happens to all of us. Like, especially the, the closer the person to you, you're like, yo, you meant so much to me, especially with suicide. And let's be honest, like suicide is the overwhelming way that people go in our age demographic, right? It's number one with a bullet. And everyone writes these things like, you know, you meant so much to me. I wish uh, that I could have another moment with you, da-da-da, like all that sort of stuff. And it's all very genuine. I'm not shitting on it. Don't get me. It's not all very genuine. There is definitely some people that sit on the outskirts that jock death. They're like, whoo content time. Yeah. But for the most part, let's say it's all pretty sincere. Especially with suicide, I always look at those because I don't know because maybe I'm fucked, but I look at those and I'm like, man, if you would have posted that last week. <laughs> maybe he wouldn't have jumped off the building. Bro might have fucking popped himself back, propped himself up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So my call to everyone is on, the on everyone's birthday, everyone should post that. Post how you feel about someone. Public, you know, because people post the photo, but generally it's just the photo that they look good in and their friend looks Correct. shitty. Or if, with most dudes, it's just like, oh, look, this is where he looked fat or he was, he was vomiting and passing Seven out. lines in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like incriminating things. 
But yeah, potentially the world will be a better place if everyone just on the birthday of the person that you care about, you go, guys, this is my person. I fucking, I think that they're fucking pretty great. Maybe everyone's self-esteem will be a little bit propped up. Actually, that's a super fucking idealistic way of looking at it because all that would happen is that you would write something nice about someone else and then if they didn't write something that was as equally as nice <laughs> to you. You know, you're like arguing with your girlfriend and they have a birthday and you got to write that post where you're like, I love you. Um, you mean a lot to me. And you see, you see people doing that. You know, just before people break up, there's like lots of photos of them together because they're trying to like, it's like- We're the, okay, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's like jump starting. Uh-huh. It's like, come on, <laughs> clear, <laughs> photo, clear, <laughs> a TikTok dance together. <laughs> I had an awesome one the other day. Fuck, man, I'm sorry to anyone that gets cheated on. It must suck, but take a fucking breath. Take a, take a leaf out of Beckham, the Beckhams, as we said the other week. Jesus Christ, man, someone, I can't remember who it was, but there was a dude that was with a girl and um, she cheated on him and he found out straight to social media. She cheated on me. I read her phone. She's a horrible person. I got with her because she was cheating on him with me. Like leopard can't change her spots. Da-da-da. She's a liar. She's putting me through hell. It's like, dude, keep your business. Out of the In, streets. Yeah, <laughs> keep it out of the streets. Like this doesn't look good for you. No. It doesn't look good for her. And if anything, man, it just props the ears of the hyenas up. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, he's like, you cheated on me and now I'm out there spruiking that yeah. you're for the streets. You know what she wants now? Some revenge dick. Dude, hard. And revenge dick, some of the best kind I've heard. That's the hardest. <laughs> dude, the hardest part of any breakup is knowing that, that the, the best sex that you had with them, they're going to fucking fire. They're going to fire that out to someone else <laughs> just to try and fix the emotional damage of a, what a breakup is. Uh-huh. Everyone's like, I think that's why people stay together so long. Eh? <laughs> My mantra on that is anything you could do, I can do far better. So <laughs> I ain't mad at it. <laughs> you really are as like a someone, when you get into your 30s and like, yeah, 30s and 40s, like, as a single man, you really are throwing some weird curveballs. Eh? I'm yeah. not going to go into too much detail on any of this, but like definitely some uh, unhappily married women start getting in the DMs and like trying to get weird attention and stuff. And you're like, that's, you know, I'm looking at your profile photo and it's like you and your husband and kids and stuff. You need to make that choice to be like, I'm not fucking... I'm not swimming in these waters. Bro, I don't know games. what it is with me, but I am a magnet for unhappily married women. Mm. Magnet. I don't know what it is about my face, but it says I want to cheat on my husband. Yeah. The thing is, I think that what well, the problem is that they're, they're at the point of like some weird revenge cheating or whatever it is. And they're just scared. They're like, okay, well, this guy looks like a giant piece of shit. This will yeah, piss my husband. Do a little bit of thing. They're like, he's single, <laughs> and he probably knows how to keep a secret. But you know that you're just being used as a pawn on their chessboard, <laughs> and you're just like, nah, I don't want to fucking play these games. But there's nothing more awkward. I tell you right now, like the cold, 
I get it. You know, girls are like, oh, dudes, dudes, I think dudes just hit on girls. So I imagine every girl's DM is just full of like unsolicited dick pics and and like show bobs and virgin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Milk truck arrived. But yeah, there is fewer things more awkward than someone trying to flirt with you and you are not at all interested. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Man, I'd love to sit I'd love for the world just to implode and roll reversal for a day so I could just feel what it's like. Like I follow a girl who posted her like hinge front page or something. It was like I think she was actually giving shit to someone who was like trying to crack onto her, but down the bottom. I hate that. Oh yeah, it's cunty. But uh, in all fairness, names were blurred. You couldn't see who it was. It was just it was just text. But it was like, look at all the dudes that are I into know. me. Like down the bottom, like man, it. it was like the messages that were sent was like into the two hundreds, and then the bottom was just like two hundred with a plus next to it. It's like what the fuck? No wonder, as a man, you're not getting responses when you're dealing with this volume. Is she hot? Yeah. Battery switch, ladies and gentlemen. Just add some commentary over here so Scott doesn't have to edit the podcast and it's not completely silent. We'll be back to normal programming in three, two, one. One, two, three. Yeah, that it is weird, right? Because it, it would be, don't get me wrong, overwhelmingly dudes are going to be out there like animals. <laughs> Shooting shots left, right, and center. Alcohol gets involved. 2 a.m. Your phone to be lighting up like it's fucking Christmas. Yep. But it really does shit me. Like, I mean, I, I went on the dating apps for a minute and I was like, I was really concerned about being screenshotted and being made fun of. Like, I think that's the weirdest thing is like dude's biggest fear from women is being made fun of. Mm. And apparently women's biggest fear from men is that we'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems heavily weighed differently and completely reasonable. But yeah, it's like being embarrassed, like sending a text message and having it like screenshotted and being like, this guy likes me and I don't like him. <laughs> You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Actually, when I was making that reel about the uh, poor half Sean Kiwi fruit bro oh, yeah. thing. I was like, as I was making that, I went out of my way to make sure it was like a lot of misdirection and that no one would know who it was. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, damn, this would be, because I guarantee that those people probably, if, if they did see that real, they would be like, Oh, they're definitely talking about us. <laughs> and then that then extends to like a bunch of people who will be like, I've done that. Yep. And they'd be personally, personally vilified as men we need to take back the power boys just say no say no to what say oh, no to selfies with fucking filtered women you know what you're getting into as soon as you make but that dumb face you and you'll just be sitting there be like i should have just taken the one she's just doing photos with her new boyfriend that doesn't have a nose thanks to the filter <laughs> <laughs> you're just crying your screen's fucking playing different YouTube videos because your tears are making it think that your finger's on it. Uh, allegedly, you know, that's... Allegedly, yeah. Actually, I know that because the shower. I, I take my phone in the shower and I put it on the um the hangy bit at the back oh, of the shower. Oh, while you're jerking off in the shower? No, while I'm listening, Dude, I'm listening to a podcast. Dude, if you stand up jerking off, fuck out of here. Fuck <laughs> really? out of here. Really? Dude. 
Okay, it's I a like weird that. thing. Like, I like yeah, that. you got to stiffen your legs and yeah. shit. <laughs> but what if you like, what about fucking in the shower? Yeah, if I, it's fine. You're standing up. Yeah, it's fine, like, as, like, a, a random-ass thing to do. Yeah, It's but like mate, mini golf. Mate. It's like you don't want to do it all the time. You don't, you don't take corners all the time, but you practice them. Yeah, true. <laughs> you need to be ready. Oh, you think jerking <laughs> off is somehow practicing standing up fucking? Hey, is it not? No. <laughs> I'm going with a firm no there. It depends on your uh, on your technique. Yeah, are you I'm, fucking, I'm your, fucking tall, dude. Are you fucking your hand or is your hand fucking you? Oh, that, that is a creepy concept. Yeah. Because I heard this. I heard of this a little while ago of people that like, Fuck their hand. That's so fucking creepy to me. <laughs> Imagine I have never fucking your hips I into just it. like put my hand against something and been like, eh, that is insane. That, have you done that? No. That no. is insane. But there are people we know. Like there are we know people who have who jerk off exclusively on their knees. Oh dear, that's weird. And that I have a friend who has placed like something between his bed mattress and the frame and fucked that (laughs) (laughs) on his knees i've seen some shit of girls where they have the dildos that suction to the floor yeah or the wall yeah that's pretty hilarious and i've asked questions about that before yeah and um yeah that's definitely a thing do you know what lives rent free in my head Uh. the fact that girls can literally have lightsabers as sex toys but a man has a fleshlight and he's a fucking psycho have you ever had a fleshlight no dude i have because it's psycho okay i bought i no, i never bought one i um i spoke about it on the podcast and a listener fucking bought me one oh really yeah 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 i can't say too much about it because it's a whole thing but sure um, sure but yeah she bought me one and um yeah, that, they're, they're too powerful, bro. I'm honestly worried they're I'd too, never have too powerful. Yeah. yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, I hit it a couple of times and I was like, oh, for men's liberation. <laughs> and um, I was like, yeah, that's too much. Is there a big sex toy industry for men? I don't believe so. Because I feel like you could make some money if you really like worked out what it was that we could buy that wasn't creepy. You know oh, what I mean? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But it, I, it, it is all creepy. Yeah. But girls, are, like it's every single girl that's listening to this has a fucking box full of a box full. And God bless you. More power to you. Hundred percent. Oi, I've had a girl. Like, well, it, we've all had girlfriends that'll bring out toys and shit, use them in front of you. Yeah, and the that's enemy. Fine. But I, like, <laughs> I whip out me one silicon pussy, <laughs> and suddenly. I'm a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I bought a butt plug around. You're like, well, (laughs) have a look at this. (laughs) Yeah, man. I don't know. Like you can't, it's funny because you see those ones of like, there's those weird rod ones now that like, that fuck chicks and stuff. It's crazy. And you're just like, how invested are you in this? The other thing is girls talk to each other about, like, their sex lives down to, like, minuscule 
information. Yeah, hella detail. I'll tell everyone right now, like the most you have likely ever heard about my sex life is that I had sex. <laughs> yeah. Did you fuck it? Yes. Yeah. It didn't. <laughs> End of discussion. It doesn't really go any further. So, oh my God, that. did you And every now and then someone, <laughs> someone will tell you too much and you're like, bro. Chill. Like, especially if it's like a girlfriend. You're like, I don't want to fuck it, dude. I don't want to know about this. Yeah. Like, it's just, I got to see that shit. I have to sit with her at breakfast across from you tomorrow. Fuck exactly. That. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. But the thing is, this is all going into my point that like men and women are different. And those differences need to be celebrated and we can't keep pretending that everyone's the fucking same. <laughs> we are so different in a lot of ways and that require that that should completely be something that we're all like, that's pretty awesome that we're biologically so fucking similar, yet we have all these different human experiences. We shouldn't be going, we need to try and fucking merge these together as much as possible. Mm. It's all good. There's difference. We and can, that's fun. Yes. And we it's can, funny. We can be different. Yeah. And their human experience is different. And our tools upon navigating that, we're, we're given different weapons. It's like the start of any good computer game. Exactly. Choose your adventure. Choose your adventurer. Uh, as we come to the end of this podcast, I must talk about something that made me laugh so uncontrollably. I don't think you shared my laughter. Okay. But I was... Um, I don't know. Did you watch the, who's the dude that we were laughing at the other week? This retarded that has a podcast that's getting really popular. The, um, the ex-military bro. Sean Ryan. Yeah. That always kind of randomly drops things. Like he's like, you think he's this like hard sort of David Goggins dude. And then he's like, yeah, I did have a coca cocaine addiction and live in Cuba for a few years. Like, <laughs> his little morsels of information. But um, have you watched his interview with the bro, the bro that killed Bin Laden? No. It's good. He's been on a couple of things. He was on one with um with someone else, like a Is that the super intelligent dude who's kind of like weird? No, nah, he's like a ranger redneck, really. Okay. And he's like, Yeah, I shot him in the head. Cause they crashed their helicopter. It's a really fucking yeah. very interesting. I've seen snippets cool of that interview, but I haven't watched the whole thing. Yeah. So that dude is definitely a non PC guy where like he he saw like the cross dressing navy recruiter that they had an advert mm -hmm. and it was like guys come join the navy like it's like a fucking like sure's gonna be sitting on a fucking long gun or something on the and um but seal team six is the the team that went in and did that and uh one of the dudes from seal team six who was you know in the crashed helicopter came through up the stairs secured the location while someone else killed bin laden possibly one of the toughest men going to put himself into that position at least in like historically you'd be like okay well you're a navy seal that was chosen to do yeah you're, what you're a has to be the most important mission of that yeah you, you'd be you're in the top six dudes for right? sure or whatever he's transitioned and has become a woman interesting more power to you, whatever, whatever you want to do. But then he's written a book and it's called Warrior Princess. Oh. <laughs> you got to know that's funny. Like, he's got to know that that's funny. <laughs> he has written a book called Warrior Princess and I think it's got a, a fucking, um, like, a full stop between the two. Oh, my Lord. And it's like his struggles as... 
one of the men who killed Bin Laden struggling with his own gender identity. It's like, what awful series of Black Mirror are we in? Like, that's the funniest thing. Like, if you were writing a sketch show... Honestly, it's fairly consistent, though, because he went in there and he cut off the head of the snake (laughs) and then came home and did the same. (laughs) Like, I just can't stop. (laughs) Imagine if that was a side effect of killing, like, the one of the most evil people. Like, imagine if the dude that, like, I suppose Hitler killed himself, but imagine if a dude killed Hitler and then he was just like, I don't know what's happening to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we started slow today, Scott, but I really Uh, think think we we covered some crazy ground and it is 4.20 on the dot right now. So I think a fairly apt time to wrap it up, buddy. I enjoyed that one. I feel like you lifted me. You lifted me. That was... it's what I do. I was fucking playing in the mud. <laughs> it's what I do. Um, Patreons, thank you very much. Big shout out to Steph. Our dear Steph. Oh, Steph. She bought some merch, eh? No, she no? joined the Patreon. That's right. She did yeah, too. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you to all the Patreons. You guys are the true legends. Interesting, though, that her husband... Michael Hallam has not signed up for the Patreon as well. Are you suggesting that the two of them are using a shared Patreon account? (laughs) I think that that might be the case. That's something we're going to have to take up at dinner next week with young Michael Hallam. I don't know if you two are aware of the term piracy, but (laughs) yar. You wouldn't steal a handbag. (laughs) On that note. See you guys. Peace. Club good. Club good. Club good.